With that said, tonight we are finishing out our series that we've been doing, which has been called Firm Foundations. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been exploring some of the most foundational beliefs that Christians have. Uh, And so this is important for us to take a look at these beliefs when we're building, when we're strengthening, or uh, when we're doing a little bit of repair work on the foundations of our faith. Because after all, there is no part of a building more important than its foundations. And so in previous weeks, we've been looking at uh, some Christian beliefs around God and humanity. Uh, Calvin Burton spoke really well about Jesus and salvation. And then last week, we looked at uh, the topics of the Spirit and the Word. And tonight, we're going to be wrapping up this series by taking a look at uh, what I think are some foundational topics uh, of prayer and communing with God. And I think these are important topics because these are key pathways for us to connect with God. And I believe that we have to, as Christians, learn how to connect with God because connecting with God is the place where we are most transformed. And so before we jump in, let's take a moment. Let's pray. Let's ask for God's help tonight in understanding his word. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this space. We thank you, God, that you are a God of insight, a God of wisdom, a God who reveals things to us that we can't see today. And Lord, I thank you for uh, every person that's listening in to this message, that it's not an accident that they're hearing it, uh, but God, that you've brought them to this moment for this time for a purpose. And so Lord, I pray that you would uh, release grace on everyone who's listening, that their hearts would uh, receive something from you tonight. And I also pray for your grace upon me as I share. Pray that I'd be able to uh, share well about you and um, that you take my words and use them for something beautiful. So we thank you for this space tonight and we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? So the book of James tells us that if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. And I remember uh, it was about a decade ago, I was visiting with my sister Amanda and we were sitting around her kitchen table at her house and we're sitting there at the table and we're having this conversation just kind of seeing how life's going and and all that. And um, at the time I was a Christian, but my sister was not. And so, as time went on, we started talking about God and started talking about uh, faith. And, and um, it was kind of the, one of the first times I felt like she had kind of an openness to talking about it. And so we're having this conversation. She's asking questions, asking about things I've experienced and so on and so forth. And um, after a while, it kind of gets to this part of the conversation where I said, well, hey, I said, have you, have you ever wanted to have a relationship with God? And she said, well, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I would. And so I said, okay, well, well, would you like to, to have one? And she's like, well, I don't know. And I said, well, what, what's the issue? And she said, well, I'm not sure what he thinks about me. Fair play. <laughs> I wonder that sometimes too. <laughs> and, uh, and so I said, well, how about we ask him what he thinks about you? And she goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I'm not sure I want to know. <laughs> 
I said, well, let, I said, let, let's just give it a try. Let's just try it. And maybe, you know, you won't hear anything, but, you know, let's just, just put it out there and see what happens. And she goes, okay. She said, I'm willing to try it. And so she said, I, I don't know how to pray. I said, that's okay. Just repeat after me. So I lead her in this prayer and basically just have her ask God, what do you think of me? And so I let her have a moment. Moments going by, I'm watching her. And after a few seconds, I said, um, I said, well, I said, did you hear anything? And she goes, yes. I said, really? I said, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> I said, well, what, what did you hear? She said, I heard in my heart a voice say, I love you. And she said, and I got chills all down my body. She said, this is, this is weird. <laughs> this is wild. And so um, next day she gives me a call and uh, asks me to come over to her house. And I go and I come in and, and her husband's there, uh, my, my brother-in-law, Luke. Uh, and they sit me down on the couch across from them. Uh, and they say, uh, uh, so she go, my sister goes, she said, so Luke and I have been talking. She said, and uh, we'd like to become Christians. She said, can you help us with that? I said, yeah, I think I can. <laughs> and uh, so I, I just thought that was such a cool moment, such a beautiful moment, uh, such an exciting mo uh, moment. And um, it's one that's actually still bearing fruit. Uh, my sister's still walking with the Lord, still deepening her relationship with him. And uh, she's just recently become a teacher. And so exciting to see that uh, fruit begin to get passed on to another generation. Uh, but in that moment around the kitchen table, something beautiful happened. Amanda drew near to God, and so God drew near to her. And it was a real moment where a real person connected with a real God. And that moment led to a transformation in my sister's life when she received Jesus and in the years beyond. And all she did was talk to God. Simple. Now, not every moment of prayer goes like that. <laughs> we don't always hear a response from God so clearly every time we pray. And if you're like me, then most of the time when you're praying, the moments of prayer, connecting with God, they don't really feel all that weighty or all that exciting. In fact, sometimes, if we're honest, connecting with God can be pretty hard. Over the years, I have come to appreciate the big, dramatic, exciting moments where God has shown up and where he's met me powerfully. And those are beautiful when they happen, and they're usually needed when they do. Uh, but they tend to be the exception, not the rule. I've also come to appreciate the many little moments of connecting with God that may not feel all that dramatic or exciting, but you know what? They still matter. It's moments like where I'm turning my heart towards him when I'm sitting at the traffic light, which is a better place to turn your heart than to your cell phone. Uh, it's moments where I'm feeling distracted by life and I come here to the 6 p.m. service and I'm choosing to engage in worship and go after God for yet another Sunday night. Sign him back up. It's moments where I realize, ah, worry has gotten a hold of my heart yet again, and so here I am, God, I'm here again to give you my worry. I hope you're not getting too sick of it. 
But these little moments of connecting with God, they might seem small at the time, but they still hold a power to transform us. Connecting with God, it's a bit like going to the gym. Individual workout, doesn't really feel like it makes that much of a difference. If you skip leg day, no big deal. But if you do it consistently enough, the transformation becomes obvious over time. Jesus once told his followers this, John 15, verse five, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So he's the vine and we're the branches. Where do branches get everything that they need to grow and to stay alive and to bear fruit? from their connection to the vine. So if we wanna keep our faith alive and even better, keep it growing, then we need to figure out how to regularly maintain our connection to God because he is the only place that real, true transformation comes from. The question is, <laughs> how do we do that? How do we stay connected to God? So tonight, what I wanna do is I wanna look at two different pathways that you can use to connect with God. And the first pathway is prayer. The second pathway is communing with God. And they're similar in the sense that both involve drawing near to God, uh, but they can sometimes look a little bit different from each other. And so we're gonna unpack uh, these two pathways, but uh, I believe learning these pathways are foundational for all Christians because it is the place of connecting with God where we are most transformed. So let's start with the first pathway. Pathway number one, let's talk about prayer. What is prayer? Prayer in its simplest definition is talking to God, <laughs> talking to God. And prayer is not something that is passive. Prayer is something that is active. It's something that we can initiate anytime that we want. And you know what I think is really cool? It's actually prayer's simplicity that gives it its profound power. Prayer can be done by anyone, anytime, in any place. In fact, I've written a short poem about it but it didn't come up on my notes and it was too good to miss. And so I just have to find it. All right, here you go. You can pray at work. You can pray at school. You can pray holding a screaming baby while you're covered in their drool. You can pray when you are rich. You can pray when you are poor. You can pray content in all things while still asking for God's more. You can pray when you are tired. You can pray when you are fine. You can pray without ceasing. In fact, you can pray anytime. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys, for indulging me. <laughs> so prayer is powerful in its simplicity because you can literally pray whenever and wherever you like. And what that means is that God has given us this amazing pathway for connection with him that we can literally access anytime we want, which means that the distance between you and your next moment of connection with God is never further than one breath away. 
Author and uh, speaker Lisa Turkhurst said this. She said, the reality is my prayers don't change God, but I am convinced prayer changes me. Praying boldly boots me out of that stale place of religious habit into authentic connection with God himself. Wise words. So prayer is foundational to the life of Christians because prayer helps us to stay connected to God. And prayer, it could take a number of different forms because praising God and acknowledging him for who he is, that's prayer. Uh, Thanking God for what he has done is prayer. And asking God to do something to meet the need that we have or the need of someone else that we know, that's prayer too. Check out what the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the church in Philippi. He said this in Philippians 4, verse 4. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful promise for us. So God understands that we have a lot of needs. And he also understands that the world that we live in gives us plenty of reasons to want to hyperventilate into the nearest paper bag. The world, thank you, Emma, (laughs) for laughing. (laughs) (laughs) So the world is a stressful place, but God doesn't want us to be worried about it because worry is actually the subtlest form of atheism. When we're worried, it's usually because we've become disconnected from God's perspective And we're imagining this future that God isn't actually in. And it's a future where our needs aren't going to be provided for. And it's a future where the most likely outcome is the worst one. But the truth is, it's not that bad things don't happen. It's just that God is always with us when they do. And as Paul wrote to the Philippians, when we choose prayer instead of anxiety, the peace of God comes and it guards our hearts and our minds. Why is that? I believe it's because prayer reconnects us to God so that we can see things from his perspective again. And so prayer is this beautiful pathway to connecting with God. The question is, how often should I pray? Well, the answer is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. It says to pray without ceasing. If you've got a branch that you want to keep alive and you want it to keep growing and you want it to bear fruit, how often should that branch be connected to the vine? Should it like go for walks over here? Should it spend a little bit of time? I'll come back to that connection sometime when I feel like it. No, the branch is dying the moment that it disconnects from the vine. And we are wired the exact same way. 
So we need to stay connected as much as we can to the vine that is Jesus. So prayer is one of the most important pathways that God's given us to connect with him. And we have to learn how to pray because connection with God is the place where we are most transformed into his likeness. So prayer is pathway number one. Let's take a look now at pathway number two. So pathway number two is communing with God. So prayer is important, helps us connect with God, but it's not the only way that we connect with God. So this, there's this concept of communing, uh, communing with God that I think is captured really well by the Greek word koinonia. And what koinonia means is it's the, it's the word where we actually get the word fellowship and it evokes this sense of sharing, this sense of participation, this sense of intimacy, and it can be with other people, but it's also used uh, to speak to our relationship with God. In uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship. And he uses that word koinonia, this intimate sharing of intimacy and commonality. He calls you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so if you're communing with God, what that means is that it means you are participating in and you are sharing something in common with God. And this might involve active prayer, but it doesn't always have to. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever had somebody where you've looked at the person next to you and you've wondered, why can I not seem to connect with God like they do? Why does it seem so easy for them, so hard for me? Have you ever gotten to the end of a church service and had the person next to you say, oh man, that time of worship was so powerful and you felt absolutely nothing? Anybody else? Not just me? <laughs> maybe you've wondered uh, why you don't hear God's voice in the same way other people do or maybe uh, sense his presence in the way that other people have described. And there might be all sorts of reasons for this, but one possible reason is that you are simply wired to commune with God differently than the people around you. And so in his book, Sacred Pathways, author Gary Thomas, he identifies nine different ways that we can commune with God. And he gets these by looking at some of the ways that different people from the Bible commune with God, and he's also uh, used examples from history. Uh, and I've actually included a link to his book at the bottom of your sermon notes if you're interested and you want to check it out. Uh, but while this book represents one man's opinion, uh, and it's not the only way of looking at this topic of communing with God, I found his perspective really helpful over the years in helping me to understand how I can best connect with God and also in helping a whole bunch of other people know how they can best connect with God. And so... What I wanna do for the remainder of our time together is I wanna share these nine different ways that you can connect with God and I wanna share them with you. And my hope is that by doing so that you feel uh, a sense of permission to commune with God in the ways that are unique to you. And also <laughs> that you feel permission to recognize and be okay with other people connecting with God differently than you do. 
No one has an inferior style, just different ones. And so as we go through these, uh, I want you to see if any of these ring true for you or uh, if they sound like anybody that you know. So that said, here's the nine ways that people connect with God uh, according to the book. And actually, I've got some, the, does my serving teams have the, yeah, you guys are on it. So I've actually, um, Sarah found a, a printout of this, and so I've actually replicated the printout. So uh, these guys are just going to pass it out for you, just for you to have. But the first one, first of the nine, is uh, uh, first of the nine ways that people connect with God. This one is called the naturalist, and it's not about nudism, <laughs> which was my first thought when I saw that. So naturalists are, the, uh, are those believers whose hearts best connect with God when they get outside and they are surrounded by all that God has made. And so there's something for them about being surrounded by God's creation, about the beauty of nature that bends them towards worship and adoration. And so if you try to ask somebody who's a naturalist to try to pray inside a room with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, this is going to be one of the least effective prayer styles for them. After all, God created Adam and Eve originally to live in a garden, not inside a cathedral, right? So naturalists connect with God best out of doors. Then there's a second one, the sensate. And no, that's not sensei, martial arts. <laughs> sensate sensate. The best way for uh, sensates to commune with God are with their five senses. So they need to taste something. They need to touch something. They need to hear it, see it, and feel it, and smell it. And so just as um, naturalists might be really spiritually awakened by walking through the woods or looking at the mountains, sensates become spiritually connected when their senses are brought into play. And so listening to majestic music or seeing beautiful architecture or uh, a beautiful art piece, uh, these are things that are powerful spiritual aids for uh, sensates. And so sensates connect with God best using their senses. Third one is the traditionalist. Now for traditionalists, religion is not a bad word. It's an outgrowth of their relationship with God. And so people who kind of fit into this category, they tend to really appreciate the role of ritual, uh, which builds on the power of reinforced behavior. And so there's something to them that's just kind of profound about worshiping God according to these set patterns which have been laid down by our ancestors and been followed over and over again throughout history. And so these people, they might organize their life around scheduled times of prayer. They might even choose to, to observe a, a Christian calendar. Uh, and, um, and the interesting thing about these people is routine can be boring for some of us and spiritually draining for others of us. Uh, but for these guys, familiar patterns of worship can function like a battery. It ushers them into this sense of God's presence. And so traditionalists, they connect best with God through tradition and ritual. And so we shouldn't judge them too harshly. Number four is the ascetic so when you think of an ascetic, think, uh, think of a monk, think of a nun, uh, think of uh, a monastic lifestyle. And these people, they tend to meet God internally. They don't like the distractions of loud crowds or group meetings. They prefer to shut themselves away and get away from the world and meet God in solitude and simplicity. 
Accordingly, ascetics usually need to get alone on a regular basis. They might prefer solitary retreats or at least a quiet place uh, with a rather orderly environment. And so these are the people who are always complaining about the sound system and the lights at church. <laughs> they can't help it. They can't help it. <laughs> so ascetics, they connect with God best through solitude and simplicity. Then there's the activist. Activists love to meet God in the vortex of confrontation. These guys are the ones who are out there. They want to fight God's battles. For them, church is primarily just a place to go to collect signatures for them to get people outside of the four walls where the real work of the kingdom is happening. And so activists, these guys, they make up the movers and the shakers of the Christian community. Uh, they might take a political bend or they might adopt a real evangelistic emphasis. Uh, but what marks them as an activist is that they feel most alive spiritually when they are in the midst of God's active and often confrontational work out there. And so that's when God seems most real to them, most imminent, and most exciting. And so uh, activists, they connect with God best through advocating for justice uh, or for spiritual confrontation. Then there's the caregiver. Man, we love the caregivers in our lives. Caregivers love God by loving other people. So what these uh, guys and girls do is they provide care and they meet needs in Jesus' name and they find that it spiritually energizes them and draws them ever closer to God. For them, caregiving is not an obligation so much as it is a doorway into intimacy with God. And so caregiving, it extends beyond nursing sick people. It might be fixing somebody's uh, car. It could be serving as a, a volunteer firefighter. It could be uh, researching a cure for a disease. Uh, but these guys are comforted by Jesus' words, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so caregivers, they connect best with God by loving other people. Number seven is the enthusiast. Uh, and this is my wife to the T. <laughs> So an enthusiast loves the excitement and the celebration of their faith. They tend to uh, really like group worship, and they tend to feed off the excitement of other believers praising and worshiping God. You know, sometimes Sarah will literally just put on worship sets and just watch them, and she's just tuned in, and she just likes watching people worship, and I, I just think that's weird. <laughs> yeah. I know you do. <laughs> so um, enthusiasts, man, they revel in God's mystery. They love God's supernatural power. They tend to like taking spiritual risks and they wake up hoping that God is going to do something new and fresh in their lives. And so they don't want to just be known by scriptural concepts. They want to experience and be moved by them. And so these guys, they tend to like dancing, music, drawing, singing, and often other uh, creative forms of worship. And so enthusiasts, they connect with God best by celebration and excitement, unlike the rest of us who prefer the quiet life. <laughs> then there's the contemplative. Contemplatives are marked by an emotional attachment and abandonment to God. These are God's lovers. Think King David sitting on the side of the hill, playing his, his instrument and just singing songs of love to God. 
And so other people, they might want to understand new things about God. Activists, they want to get out there. They want to fight God's battles. But contemplatives simply want to adore God and get to know him better. And so these guys, contemplatives, they connect best with God by simply adoring him. And then the last one, the intellectual. Now for these, intellectual doesn't necessarily mean smart, but rather it means a heart that is most often awakened when they understand something new about God. And so their minds tend to be really active. Uh, They uh, love getting understanding uh, about God and it creates respect for the creator, which leads them to the place of worship. And so intellectuals are usually the ones, they are asking, where's the next Bible study? Where's the next class? I want to go to that. That's what I want to get everybody else excited about. Um, And that's because the more they understand about truth and God's universe, the more in awe of God they are, and therefore the more in love with him they are. And so intellectuals, they connect best with God by loving him with their mind. And so that's nine different pathways, if you will, uh, that people connect with God best. Now, one thing that's kind of important to mention is that all of us probably are a little bit of a blend of some of these nine. So you're going to probably find a little bit of yourself in each of the nine. Um, The point of these isn't to fit into the label of one of the nine. The point is to look for the ways that you connect best with God and to make space in your life to get yourself into those environments where you can commune with him the easiest and the most meaningfully. Also, it's really important to mention these are not substitutes for uh, gathering together as the body, for things like studying the word, uh, worshiping together, loving and serving other people, or any of the other important things that Jesus asks us and calls us to do. Now, of the nine, I am probably most obviously a naturalist. And so I will feel God most beautifully, most profoundly, most deeply when I'm out staring at a mountain. But that doesn't mean that worship inside a church building has no value to me. It just means that connecting with God is going to come more naturally to me in one environment rather than the other. But I can still find God in any environment that I find myself because he's always with us. So if you want to explore any of these further, uh, I've added a uh, PDF study guide that somebody put together based on this book. Uh, So that's in a link at the bottom of your sermon notes. It's got a couple of helpful questions and uh, thoughts to help you go a little bit deeper. But there you have it, two pathways, prayer and communing with God. These are two pathways to connecting with God that I believe are foundational to the life of all Christians. And friends, we've got to learn how to connect with God because our connection with him is the place where we are always the most transformed by him. Would you guys stand to your feet with me? So, guys, you hold within your hand the power to decide how close you want to be to God. 
you know, over the course of the series, we've, we've told you about some foundational Christian beliefs, and we can tell you about those things. We can tell you about uh, pathways that can lead you to connecting with God, but only you can actually walk on those pathways. Only you can make a decision to seek God, to connect with him. And you know, that scripture tells us to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I think that's, that's a really beautiful picture for us because it implies this picture of a God who is just always in the ready mode, always excited to connect with us. And the moment that we are willing to open the door of our heart to him, he's like, here I am, I'm here. I've been waiting for you to ask. I've been waiting for you to turn your eyes to me again. And so my question for you tonight is this. How close do you want to be with him? Choosing to connect with him, choosing to make space in your life for him can be costly, can be hard. And it might mean that we've got to lay down some things. Might mean we've got to say no to some things. But I believe God has something in exchange for us, something much better, something much more beautiful. He wants to give us his love. He wants to give us himself. And so why don't you go ahead and close your eyes right where you are. Hold out your hands just like you're receiving gift. And I just want you to take a moment. I want you to consider that question. How close do you want to be to him? you to do is I want you to ask for God to show you what that might look like. What's a step that I can take today? What's a choice that I can make right now that will lead me closer to you? Go ahead and consider that for a second. tonight coming before you again and God we're here tonight to draw near to you and Lord maybe we're here tonight we're realizing uh, that we have uh, not been as close to you as we want to be 
not as close to you as we once were. And we think back to those moments where we fell in love with you. Lord, and now we, we look at our heart and we realize the well has gotten a little bit dry. And so, Lord, we pray for your help in digging a little deeper to find that fresh water, to find that fresh living water that truly satisfies us. And so, Holy Spirit, I invite you to, to come into this space to speak to each person here tonight to, uh, to open doors for them and to close doors, to present us with opportunities big and small, to draw closer to you, to learn your ways of meekness and humility, to find the life that comes from forgiveness and mercy, to discover the beauty that comes from gazing at you with the eyes of our heart. Help us to touch something of that in our lives. And Lord, I just want to say as well, as a community, we want to go deeper. We want to find something new. And Lord, with all of the, the changes of the last years, God, I just feel like we're ripe for something new that you want to do. And so we say, here we are. We're yours. We welcome you to come and move. So Lord, release grace for us to pray, release grace for us to know how to commune with you and how to make space in our life uh, to find those places and maybe even to help somebody else find theirs. We love you tonight. We thank you for your goodness, kindness that you show to us over and over again. And we say we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to close tonight with one more time of singing. So I'm going to turn it over to these guys.